Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1999, the walls of hell cracked, and fallen angels condemned to an eternity in the abyss were suddenly able to flee. With no choice but to come to terms with the decaying remnants of the paradise they helped create, these escaped fallen must now decide whether they will rebuild their masterpiece or burn it to a cinder. Hello and welcome to Demon the Fallen Fragments, a Demon the Fallen game set in Rochester, New York in the year 2001. This story features the character of Azoth, played by Tillman, Erichel, played by Rebecca, Brawlman, played by Adam, and Abathar, played by Slavic. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night, and on Discord at Twin Cities by Night. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Demon the Fallen Fragments, Session 2. Joining us today are Adam, Becca, and Slavic. Tillman is unavailable this week, but don't worry, he will be back for future installments. We're going to open up today's session with a little vignette slash brief story, going over how the characters come into one another's lives and why they begin to stick together. They escaped from hell in October of 1999. They don't know precisely which day, because they're not used to keeping track of that sort of thing, but it was probably around the middle of the month. Over the next month, they acclimate to life here on Earth. They learn about things like having a job, needing to feed themselves. They learn about the life of the person whose body they inhabit, their friends, their family, romantic entanglements, if any, profession, hobbies, passions, and their personalities continue to merge with the, the personalities of the people they now inhabit. The demon still shines through, and the demon is still in control. Those player characters who still have some remnant of the person whose body they inhabit within that body begin to explore and develop a fledgling relationship with that soul as best they can. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's more difficult, depending on the circumstances, the amount of awareness the soul has, and the desire of that soul to communicate with the thing that now inhabits their flesh. It is November of 1999, specifically Thanksgiving, when the player characters first encounter one another. Each one of them finds themselves at the Open Door Mission, participating in a Thanksgiving feast for the homeless. This particular feast is being done in conjunction with a women's shelter known as the Sojourner House. It is a very busy evening. There are several dozens of people filtering in and out throughout the course of the evening, and slowly, each one of our intrepid player characters comes to realize that they are not alone in the building. Casual conversation, they bump into each other, they start to feel each other as the night progresses, noticing concentrations of faith that could be nothing but another demon, feeling the psychic impressions of a demon, using their awareness, the smell, the scent, the touch, the subtle awareness that a lore had been used by one of the others in the recent past, and being able to point out which person it was that had used that lore. They make their introductions, and they agree to keep in touch with one another. They've encountered no other demons to date, just each other. From there, they begin to develop a steadfast friendship. Over the next year, 
they learn to adjust quite successfully to the lives that their bodies were leading. They come to discover in depth, in much greater depth, the relationships that their former bodies, their personalities of their former bodies, had with friends, families, loved ones. Those relationships begin to change the demon. The demons learn more about human interaction. They learn more about the emotional context of the lives of these tiny little creatures that they once helped to herd and feed, who they once taught to create wonders, wonders that are now hollowly, palely echoed in these things that they call cities, these debased materials turning into spires of glass and concrete, where once they would have been gleaming towers of gold, diamond, and marble. It is January 2001, early January, January 6th, 2001, at approximately 4.52 a.m., when each one of the demons feels an immense wave of supernatural power boil up and out from somewhere within the city, washing over them, waking them out of a dead sleep, or a drug-induced stupor, depending on how much of their body's former habits they continued with. With that in mind, we will see who picks up the phone first to reach out to one of their compatriots. Okay, then. So, Abathar, or in this case, as it has taken on the name of Lily now, uh, decides to call... I suppose there's no thing as group calls at this point, right? Nope, you all have landlines. Yeah, normal landlines. Although Lily does have a cell phone. Yeah, she probably would. Uh, but the others probably wouldn't. So, so yeah, I'm going to call up Brownmoon first. As Lily reaches for the phone and dials, the initial wave of that supernatural energy starts to disperse. And it becomes a little less overwhelming. And... A sort of flavor begins to appear. It's an impression of divinity, of youth, and there's a touch of terror involved. All of you feel that, by the way. Well, I'm still going to be calling him. Ring, ring. Brahman would, would probably still be kind of frozen in bed at this point, but would, would jump up to catch the phone, hoping it's... It's it's one of the kindred spirits that he that he met on the Thanksgiving. Maybe even feeling that it would be. Hello. Good morning, my dear. How are you this fine morning? Good. Did did you feel it too? Sense of unease. Unfortunately, so. What was? Or do it? you think? Uh, well, I wish I knew. I thought you might have known. No, I'm <laughs> still unsure. Maybe Esma knows. Oh, it's just so. But now this world, don't you think? Look, I'd I'd like to meet you both. Yeah, I think that that's probably good. Should find out more about everything. I, I can give her a call. I'm just feeling a little bit uneasy about okay. this. Okay, we should meet somewhere. And um, at this point, Brahman would be kind of looking out the window of the apartment and. He would put the the phone uh, close to his ear and kind of move the mouthpiece close to his mouth and just ask, where would be best for you? Well, my charity's been looking for some new, well, new 
some old clothes or whatever, something that people can donate. So maybe I'll, well, we can go to a nearby shopping mall and see if uh, they're willing to donate some of their clothing while we're at it. Just something we can do uh, before we all meet up, of course. Would you be all right with that? Yeah, that's that's fine with me. Okay, then. Call up Esme and, mm, in 45 minutes? Yes, got it. Okay. A uh, quick question to the uh, storyteller. We, we would kind of just know each other by our host names, right? Because we probably wouldn't. Are, are like the true names kind of like a secret thing? Like, would that be a closely guarded? Uh, true names are a very closely guarded, relatively secret thing. You could know each other by host names or by sort of a given celestial name. Yeah. Okay. So I would I would probably wait a good 25 to 30 minutes, not really doing anything in between that time, just counting down the minutes, as Lily had suggested, uh, 45 minutes. And then on the exact 45th minute, uh, I'll start uh, dialing Esme's number. Hello. Hi, it's Lauren. Oh, oh, Lauren. Did, did you feel that? I did. That's why I'm calling. Hmm. Listen, I just I just spoke to Lily. She felt it as well. Mm, unusual. Look, I think it's important that we all meet. Lily suggested meeting at a shopping mall. Would you be able to join us? Yes. Although I have no shopping to do. Well, it's it's just what she suggested. I I think it's more just a place for us to talk. Hmm. No. My roommate complains about the young ones who gather there all the time. Not quite sure why. That that works for me. When when shall we meet? Um, I'll relay whatever time uh, Lily had said on the phone. All right, I will. I will see you there. And at that, Argwell will put the phone back down, and she's actually has started to write notes in a notebook. All the feelings and just the experience itself. She's just trying to get it all down. Okay, there are. Multiple shopping malls that are active in the area at this time. There's Arondequoit Mall, which is beginning to die in terms of malls. There's Eastview Mall, which is sort of the premier mall of the area. There's also Marketplace Mall, which is towards the southern side of the city. And there's also Grease Ridge Mall, which is in the northeast. Which one have you guys chosen? Which one was the last one? Grease Ridge? Grease Ridge, that's up in the northwest. Yeah, yeah. That one, just because I assume that Lily har- harassed every other sort of clothing place in the area <laughs> for clothes for charities. Okay, excellent. So now the mall itself does not open its doors until 8 a.m. The stores within the mall usually don't open until 9.30 or so. Yeah, Lily probably just forgot about that. that. Okay, so we'll say that you guys each end up in... The parking lot. After a few minutes of driving around trying to figure out where each other is, you all come to a common spot in the parking lot. We'll say it's right in front of the TGI Fridays there, near the food court. Now, remind me, what time are you guys meeting there? You know what? Probably like 7.30 or something. Okay. So you pull in, and you see each other's vehicles. You all park near each other. You begin to watch as some of the early morning mall employees make their way in. Primarily, it looks like food service employees. You know, there's that guy in the Arby's uniform. There's that girl in the Burger King uniform, sort of shuffling their way in. It is a very cold and brisk day. 
about 20 degrees out. The layer of frost and snow isn't too terrible. It didn't affect driving too negatively. So now you are all in your warm cars. Well, getting, getting out of your warm cars and seeing each other in this parking lot. You can still feel vague pulses of whatever that supernatural energy was from earlier. Each pulse slightly weaker than the last, but it is still definitely there. Scenes on you. Esme will have gotten out of her car holding a beat-up composition notebook and walk over to the other two with it open, making notes as she seems to have some kind of system regarding the feelings and just notating that as much as she can. Lily will throw a snowball at her. Ooh. She just as they stops <laughs> and looks deadpan at Lily, completely confused as to why she would do that. <laughs> Lily sort of laughs. Esme, it's it's a joke. I've I've seen the children do it to each other. It's, she meant no harm. Yes. Oh, I, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure your host has memories of this. Lauren would be um, sort of standing outside holding a coffee thermos. She's seen she's seen other people hold coffees, and she basically is just holding the empty cup because she feels it it makes her seem more relatable to other mortals. And it's kind of just a, a trick she feels like she's picked up. Now tell me, as she brushes the snow off of her composition notebook, flips to the next page and looks directly at Lily, tell me what you were feeling earlier. Uh, well, I was... I assume you're referencing the feeling earlier in the morning. I was... I felt a creeping sense of unease and dread, uh, sort of... It's it's hard to explain. It's uh, like a current that sort of you don't see, and it, it sort of strikes you down in the middle of the ocean. Interesting. On a scale from one to ten, how distraught did it make you feel? Uh, is one the highest or ten the highest? Ten is obviously the highest. Okay. Uh... Well, I guess ten would be being cast into hell, and one would be... Would one be negative or positive? Hmm. Perhaps I should put a zero, then. One would be a slight feeling. Zero would be none. I'd say a seven. Interesting. And and you? I can't really put a put a number to it, but the feeling that I felt... It was like a nightmare, like, like, like the one before me who inhabited this body would have. But it just, it gave me feelings of my own, of my own fall, my own, the action that brought me here seemed so familiar. It's the closest I've felt to that since arriving here. Interesting. And Esme will take a moment to just make the notes, seeing some connections and then putting the pencil in her notebook closes it with a big whoop. What do you think it means? Something big will happen soon. Otherwise, I'm not sure. I just wonder what. Real quick, storyteller. Is is it just a general feeling, or do we feel pulled in a particular direction? You don't feel pulled in a particular direction. 
Why don't you all give me a an occult plus intelligence roll? <laughs> I have zero dots in occult. Same. Uh, so what's like the so we can't roll? Oh, okay. What's the difficulty again? We'll make it difficulty six. Okay, excellent. So as she begins to ask that question, Esme slash Erikel realizes that the further she drove away from the city, the weaker the sensation became. It may not just be a factor of time, it may also be a factor of distance. So it could theoretically be possible to track down the source of that pulse. I may have a theory. Do you have anything you need to do today? Either of you. Not particularly. No, I suppose not. All right, let's go for a joyride? I'm not familiar with it. It is a term that I have heard. Who would like to drive? Oh, it should probably be me. Come along. And she'll, like, get in her pretty crappy beat-up car. Hmm. This car is a lot less comfortable than my car. But perhaps it is more resistant to damage. I'll uh, put myself in the, the back seat. Where do you guys head? Esme will start thinking of a systematic way, driving through the city, just kind of eliminating certain directions until she can figure out where the feeling starts to feel most strong. Give me a wits perception. Actually, all three of you can do that, since you can all feel it. We'll do uh, difficulty seven on this. One success for me. Two for me, I believe. Two for me as well. Okay. As you're driving around, you seem to, you know, you go from Grease Ridge Mall, you take 104 back towards the city, you feel it begin to get stronger, you take 104 over the river, you end up driving through the suburb of Arondacoit, again on 104 into East Arondacoit. You can still feel it fairly well. And then you take 104 across the Arondacoit Bay and over into the suburb of Webster. There you begin to realize that the sensation weakens the further you travel into Webster. So you turn around, you get back on 104, and instead of taking 104 across the northern part of the county again, you decide to take 590 south, which brings you closer and closer to the city. You take 590 south down past 490 through Brighton. It begins to curve around as if you're heading towards the southern part of the county. And you begin to feel it a little bit more. You kind of pick out that the direction is from the northwest. And it seems that the closer you are to sort of the central area of the city itself, the stronger the sensation is. So you get off of 590 onto Winton Road. And you take Winton Road north to where it crosses Elmwood and Monroe Avenue. You take Monroe Avenue up towards Highland Avenue, which places you in the neighborhood of the Cobbs Hill Reservoir. And something, some strange impression tells you to go west. So you turn left, you go west on Highland Avenue, past Hillside Children's Center. And as you approach South Goodman Street, you can feel not just the supernatural wave of energy, but there's also a more, more of a pressure, as if an ecstatic, as if someone has turned a radio on in your head, and all it's picking up is white noise. And it gets louder and louder, and you can begin to pinpoint where it's coming from. And as you reach the corner with South Goodman, you realize that wherever it is, is now within walking distance. Somewhere slightly to the north, you'll see Highland Park, a large blue reservoir 
in the middle. You guys are at the corner of Highland and South Goodman, which is right between the park and Colgate Rochester Crozier Divinity School. This is where the white noise really starts to pick up. What do you guys do? This is annoying. <laughs> Storyteller, uh, how, how uncomfortable is the noise for us? It's equivalent to a mild headache. Brahman would, would put his hand on, on his head and just kind of press it against the window, still not really acknowledging the, the increase in activity as we, as we get closer to the, the apex. Oh, Ugh. we should really silence whatever's making that noise. Esme will go about parking the car and like squinting as she's driving, looking for a spot and throwing her notebook back to Lauren to make some, like, make, make sure to write this down. Lauren would, would quickly pick up the notebook and begin following Esme's instructions. Also, kind of flipping backwards after she's done transcribing whatever and, and kind of trying to read some of the notes. You'll, you'll have to let me borrow this someday. This looks like it could prove very helpful in acclimating. The nearest safe place to park the vehicle is in the neighborhoods to the south of Highland Ave. You could park at one of the apartment complexes, or you could just park on a neighborhood street. Which do you choose? Esme will park the car in a neighborhood street. Okay. As she drives into the neighborhood, the static and the pressure from it begins to abate slightly, giving you a little bit of relief. But then there's a series of pops and squeals, effectively, that are excruciating, but extremely brief almost as if someone were taking a white-hot sewing needle and zipping it through your skulls. Ah. Uh, are we okay? Also kind of reeling in discomfort, but Brahman, or Lauren, I should say, will reply, I think, I think so. As much as we can be. Ugh, really. Shall we continue to find this anomaly? Yes, let's go. I wish I had my sword. Can you all please give me a perception and awareness roll? Let's do that at difficulty seven. I have one success. I have two. Two here. Okay. You all feel some other force at work. This one has the distinctive flavor of faith. And it all seems to flow from somewhere to the north in the direction of the Divinity School. That way. Let's go that way. Esme will take charge right after Lily, probably starting to slowly jog. Lauren would wait a second and then kind of run along to catch up. Lily probably has to take off her heels. <laughs> you guys run across the street, and you start running, running up along South Goodman. The Divinity School is on your right, and it is a very beautiful 19th century building. Large church, beautiful steeple. And as you're running up along South Goodman, you come up onto Campus Drive, and you can turn right to go onto the campus proper, and you still feel these tendrils of faith emanating from somewhere on the campus. And as you come up to the first parking lot, which looks to be somewhat... It's not quite a church. It looks to be sort of an educational facility attached to a church. You come into the parking lot and you see a young woman 
dressed very severely in black, blonde hair. She's maybe about 5'5", five five, her hair pulled back into a long ponytail, leaning against a car, jotting down notes in a very large book. She seems almost to be either the source of the faith that you're feeling or right next to it somehow. Let's go talk to her. How old yeah, I... is she? She looks to be about 26, 27. About 26. Okay. Can I do like a supernatural awareness kind of role on her? What are you looking for? Just to figure out if she's the, the source or, or like you said, just somebody close by who's also interested. I don't know if that would actually show me that or, you know. If she's Your supernatural kinda... awareness will give you the ability to determine the source and approximate direction of some sort of supernatural effect, whether it was faith or something a little less wholesome. While you have been able to determine that you're in the general area where the issue is emanating from, you cannot pick out a specific individual. If you want to try another supernatural awareness check to pinpoint the exact location, you can do that. Okay, yeah, I would like to do that. Okay, go ahead and give me a roll. Oh. Yeah, you almost had it. You could almost tell precisely where the disturbance was coming from, but at the last second, it was gone. Like the fish that got away. You could feel it. You could see the bobber going. And then when you went to reel it in, there was nothing on the hook. Now, one thing that you guys do notice as you're going into the parking lot, there are a number of utility trucks and work trucks present in the parking lot. You know, there's an electrical company's van. There's a couple of plumbers. On the far end of the parking lot, you see a couple of men, you know, dirty, dressed in overalls, having a cigarette and coffee before they pick up or change shifts or something. Holding hard hats, there's a hard hat on top of one of the vans. And then there's this young lady writing in her book. Lily will walk up to her and say, Hello, young lady. What are you writing there? She'll look up and give Lily a slightly quizzical look. And then she'll be like, wait a second. Hold on a moment. Lily takes a quick glance at the book and realizes that what she's writing is some sort of strange combination of symbols. It's not really English as Lily would understand it. Lily will sort of just straight out reach for the book. Ooh, let me see. Let me see. I think not. She'll snatch the book back. Who are you? And why are you here? I'm Lily. I'm here with my friends. At that, Esme will kind of jump and go... Hello, I'm Esme. I reluctantly wave without introducing myself. She'll look all three of you over, and she'll take a moment, and then you'll all feel a flare of faith emanate from her. I look at the at the others to see if they're experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing. I am going to use my lore of longing and use read emotion on her. Okay. So, it's perception plus empathy, difficulty six. Okay, so I have one success. Okay. The evocation works on only one mortal at a time. You get nothing. She has no emotions? Or do I not read anything? None that you can appear to read. Are you sure you're okay, dear? Yes, I'm quite alright. Are you sure you're sure? I'm quite certain and she'll flip through the book and what's your name then she'll flip through the book a little bit she'll go back and she'll mutter something to herself abathar is it i'm sorry what abathar 
Never heard and this, of that. This must be Eric Hell and Brawlman. Who are and you? It's just wide-eyed staring at her now. Just super uncomfortable. Huh. This is interesting. You're a little early. I thought I would have more time to take notes. <sighs> Not more notes. My name. How did, how did you know it? Because I've known all of you. I must ask you never to repeat that name, please. And I look around kind of worried. Okay, and she'll stop, look at the book. I think I can do that. Lil, no, 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 wait, let me check my notes again. Lauren. I can do that, Lauren. Thank you. And do you prefer Lily? Well, in present company excluded, yes. And do you prefer Esme? Yes. I would prefer mortals not try invocations to summon me. I think we are okay at the present time, but I will admit that I have been a little remiss. I am Jade Westman, perhaps better known as Tizaniel. Pleasure to meet you, Jade. If you had known about us, why didn't you reach out to us sooner? Because it wasn't the right time. This is the time, and this is the place for us to meet. How do you know? Because that is what I do. It is my job to know these things. I don't think we have jobs anymore. Perhaps not explicitly, but we still have our natures. At this, Esme will visibly relax. Why are we meeting? Because it was fated. But for what purpose? I don't know yet. Esme will have a look of extreme frustration at that and just kind of scowl unintentionally at everyone around her. Can you explain this, this energy, this, this headache I'm feeling? I wish I could. I feel it too. But I think if what I see in the spheres is correct, if the patterns fall into place properly, you four, wait, there's supposed to be four of you. Oh yes, he's in Toronto, unfortunately. That was not part of the pattern. And she opens up the book and starts scribbling in it, and it looks like almost like she's doing some sort of weird esoteric type of math. Fate died long ago. No, fate was damaged. It is not dead. If it died, I would not have been able to be here. But the four of you are supposed to figure this one out. At least if what I've read in the spheres is correct. But it may not be correct. I may have to go back and readjust my calculations. However, for the time and place we are at now, this is probably what's supposed to be happening. And this is probably the first part of your journey. I just like fate. Fate is the chains of God binding us. That's an interesting comment, because what good is a leash if no one holds it? A leash is not good. But an unheld leash should be burned. If you, if you can find a way to burn those leashes, let me know, because I'll be very interested in exploring that possibility. However, as it stands right now, I'm going to take some Advil, because I'm getting sick of this headache, and we should probably try to figure out what is causing this noise. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be here for very long. I will have to double-check, but I may need to be somewhere else very shortly. But in the time that we have now, we can certainly talk. Double-check with who? The spheres, of course. Do, do you not realize that I am of the fourth house? Not particularly. We've never heard of you, I think. You've or never heard perhaps of we forgot. It's hard yes, to say. yes, yes, it seems likely that you forgot. There's How long have you been here? Forgotten. Not long. It was... Wait, and she flips back through the book. It was in October of 1999 that I got out and no one had summoned me. I have been summoned several times over the ages. Lucky you. 
No, it's very unlucky to be summoned and enslaved to such a tiny thing as a mortal. Better than being stuck in hell. That is true, to some extent. But now I am out, and there is no one holding my leash, but there is that draw towards the abyss that I am not particularly fond of. I want to figure out how to close that door so that those of us who are out can stay out and those who are still in can no longer escape. But that's besides the point right now. Can no longer escape? Why? How many of us are there here? I don't know. I'm still trying to free them. Do we want to free all of them? Even those who betrayed Lucifer? No, not those, but, well, I still believe they should be free or destroyed either way. Not chained up, black, pit. I'm not sure we have enough time to do all that. What's the rush? I don't know yet, but let's talk about the matter at hand, because I have a feeling that this will play a critical role in determining exactly how much time we all have left to begin with. Oh. Hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions, so that your media could give the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.